The Library of Alexandria was the greatest library of the ancient world, and was the center of the world's knowledge for nearly three centuries. Inside its walls were many works by the greatest ancient scholars, such as Homer, Plato, and Socrates. But upon Rome's conquest of Alexandria, the library was burned to the ground, and many of these great works were irrevocably lost. A very symbolic story of how man's desire for power and conquest can blind him to the treasures he'll destroy along the way. But was the Library of Alexandria actually destroyed in a singular great fire? Probably not. There are likely many events over centuries that contributed to the library's decline. A fire may or may not have been one of them, but most agree that no single event was responsible for the destruction of the library. And in fact, some question how significant the library was in the first place. But why is this myth so widespread? Probably because as humans, we all understand and empathize with the feeling of opportunities forever lost. Great works that we'll never read. Primary accounts of history that we'll never know. And uniquely relevant to modern Egypt, great performances we'll never see. Because this feeling of loss was felt by a nation a little over a week ago as their star player, Mo Salah, was dragged down in the Champions League final and dislocated his shoulder. After taking his country to the World Cup for only the second time in the last 80 years, Mo Salah's availability for the World Cup is in question. A loss not only for the country of Egypt, but for every fan of the game. But the history is not yet written for this story. And just as it could be a tale of loss, it could also be one of perseverance, hope, and redemption. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Egypt. States no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour, let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, twice in one week, already back, I love it. You know, it's funny and actually kind of sad for Egypt because the last podcast series that we did was during the NFL offseason. So we sort of had built into the narrative structure of it was the fact that like, we did some teams before the draft and some teams after the draft. We did some teams, uh, you know, before free agency really kicked off and some after they had their biggest free agent signing or their biggest free agent person leaving. But with the World Cup teams, the teams are the teams. And you sort of know who the stars are. There aren't big signings. There aren't, I mean, there's obviously changes. Egypt, though, had, had we done Egypt in the first week, it just would have been a radically different conversation than it's going to be tonight with the Mo Salah stuff that you mentioned. Um, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's a team that could have had a bigger loss. I mean, I'm trying to think like, even if Messi had been hurt, they still have Neymar. Well, no, Neymar. No, you made this week too. You said this week. (laughs) Last week too. It's my confusion about Neymar. You just confused all the South American teams. Look. 
But the point is, I mean, maybe... Also, maybe, Neymar almost was lost for the Brazilian team, but he yeah, played yesterday or whatever. That's my point, so though, is that, is that all these other big teams, they have huge talent behind the main talent. Maybe maybe Ronaldo with Portugal, but like he was basically absent for their Euro victory. I mean, he was I absent mean, for their Euro victory. Imagine somebody tuning in right now, a Fjord jumper, and you just were just made your <laughs> commentary about Messi and Neymar playing on the same team, Joe. Forget this that. is also what are you talking about? Portugal without Cristiano Ronaldo is terrible. There, there's no way they qualify for the World Cup. I mean, give me a break, Joe. You you had something with Neymar. No, I think the Brazilian team without Neymar what, would be like workable. Portugal basically won the Euro without without Ronaldo. I know your 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 deep abiding love for Ronaldo blinds you to anything any criticism of him, but like, but that happened. I think he missed some of the games. He didn't miss all of the games. I think he missed the final, or he did nothing in the final. Either well, I one. think he it, got hurt in the final or something. But the point is, he was there. It's saying a player misses one game. Or I, I don't really exactly remember when the injury took place, but, like, come on. It's a whole big tournament with, like, tons of games. He obviously contributed to a lot of them. Sure. My point is, I actually don't know if there is a bigger loss to a single team than Mo Salah. See, I thought where you were going with that was that had we done this, I mean, we started doing these podcasts in what, January or something? Jesus Christ, so long ago. I thought you were saying that was even before his emergence in the no, in the true. Premier League. It's true. Had we done it super early, we'd be like, Oh yeah, this Mo Salah guy's pretty good, like, you know, you know, young guy, definitely like promising and and has you know, shown some really good qualities. He's by far their best player. I'm sure he would have been player to watch. Yeah. There was a peak when when we could have done it, when it would have been like, oh, well, look, this is what makes this team so exciting right now. The day before the Champions League final? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. But, but, no, my point was, I don't know if there's a bigger single player that you could lose that would matter most for any team. I mean, I actually, I mean, like, like I can't think of one. Now, what, I mean, I'm sure you know this, or as we've all been following the news, but he's not out for the World Cup, and in fact, he's posting things on Twitter that are very optimistic. However, I think it should all be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. You know, you never really know, and of course, he's always going to say he's optimistic, but it, it does remain to be seen whether he will be out or not. You know, in my defense, Messi and Neymar played on the same team at Barcelona for quite some time. Yeah, and it, it was a big loss, when or wait, does Neymar still play there? No, he went to PSG. Yeah, it, and it was a well. I don't think it was that big of a loss at all. Barcelona was still pretty good this year, but they not in the, the Champions Spanish League. League. Yeah. Uh, now look, if he ends up playing in the World Cup, that's obviously great. But like, just like the the fact that that's been put at risk with such a terrible foul, too. I mean, just yeah. really nasty. Uh, it is just like such a sad story. Yeah, or the story hasn't been written yet, Joe. I, I'm hopeful. Uh, they showed him uh, like uh, arriving in Spain because I think he was getting the surgery in Spain for some reason. And he was like, they showed him going through the airport, like wheeling his bag behind him with his bad arm. And I'm like, could, could somebody wheel his bag for him? Like, what is he doing? Help no, but that's him. why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. He's got to get some of that horse placenta, man. <laughs> well, whatever they're... 
whatever's happened, you know, he posted a picture, I think, today of him, like, uh, working out in the gym with some of those, like, uh, rubber uh, band things. So, you know, I think he's he's building the strength back up. So I'm hopeful. And, and I think this country is hopeful. And we're all hopeful, as I said, because it, these matches just aren't going to be the same if he's not there. Totally agree. Dan, what are we drinking? So, Joe, I, of course... Still not drinking. I'm still recovering from my ailment. You know this this podcast series. It's it's taking a toll on my body, Joe. It's this grueling <laughs> schedule to deliver this content that our fan emeriti crave and require. Not to mention the fjord jumpers. But hopefully you're drinking, Joe, because we are drinking. I am. Well, what superfan Sean says is beer and wine was drunk in ancient Egypt, and beer was introduced by the god Osiris, the Lord of the Dead. Make of that what you will. The biggest brewer is Stella, not Artois, and another is Saqqara. You'll probably have to hunt for these Egyptian beers. If you have no luck, make a suffering bastard cocktail, which originated in a Cairo hotel in the 1940s as a hangover cure. That's what I'm having, Dan. So the suffering bastard cocktail, Joe, is one ounce of bourbon, one ounce of gin, one ounce of fresh lime juice, a dash of bitters, and four ounces of chilled ginger ale. How much of that stuff did you put in there? No, I had everything from previous podcast episodes. The only thing, and I I think this is probably okay, I used ginger beer instead of ginger ale because we had that for Ooh. one of the, the drinks that we made, but I think it's fine. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's going to add a little yeah. extra ginger there. That's good. Yeah. And I sort of did most of the ratios to taste, but it's it, it's good. Well, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, I when we were in when Tony was here and we were in Bevmo getting the I I do have the the drink for Colombia. I've got official Colombian. So I'm not going to spoil what that episode is, but I got the Producta de Colombia. So that was good. I got the German drink, which I'm very excited about. Hopefully, I'm healthy by the time we do that episode. So I got both of those, but I looked. High and low for just one Egyptian beer. They had beer from so many different countries, <laughs> but they did not have any from Egypt. So I, I tried. I wouldn't have been drinking it anyways, but it does not, doesn't seem like the Egyptian beer really makes it stateside. Yeah, and I mean, I would just say from, from my family experience, and we should say now off the bat, you know, my family's from Egypt. So yes. there's that whole thing. They're not big beer drinkers, my family. They're big, big tea drinkers. Well, they're big wine drinkers, your parents at least. Big wine drinkers too. But that's but that's like my parents, not like the whole family. But yeah, so wine and tea. Yeah. Not, not so much beer. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Joe, I'm going to just jump right into the mailbag here. From Fan Emeritus Zebulon. He's back, Joe. Hi, guys. I just voted in your poll, and I am stringently adhering to the doctrine of Joe Pixpodism by confidently assuming that Poland will advance. It also seems appropriate that Poland will be the zombie team since Zabrowka is taking over as a drink of choice, much the same way that zombies take over the human population. I'm sure Joe, in all of his wisdom, will choose Polska. Have a great day, Zabulon. Joe, he brings up a good point. On our last episode, we put a poll out to the fans and we said everybody can vote for a zombie team whichever one gets the most votes will be the zombie team are you still willing to abide by these rules 
I'm still willing, but we didn't set a time frame for it, though. I think we did. I think we set the time frame between then and this podcast. But if you want to put your thumb on the scales, Joe, that's fine. I can either give you, tell you what the score is, or I can not tell you. And you can make some sort of other rules. But although we really don't have time, we've got to figure out what the zombie team is. Let's do it then. Let's just let's just take the score now. Who's a zombie okay. team? There were three votes, Joe. Three votes. Okay. All right. In second place with one vote, Nigeria. Okay. So In who first got two place, votes? the zombie team with two votes, Joe. Poland. Wow. Polska. Poland's back in it. The super fans really delivered on that voting after we, after we shamed them. Zeb got in there with one vote, and the, the, the tippings, the, the winning vote, the, the person who did put their thumb on the scale was fan emeritus Josh, who also, because uh, he said, because of the Buffalo Grass Vodka and the newest super fan, and Josh, I was chatting with him, he has had it just independently on his own, and he also agrees that it's delicious. No, I've been I've been impressing everyone who comes to my house with this vodka. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so, I'm so happy now that you know after you came and and pillaged my Zabrowka, much as the uh, the Romans pillaged the Library of Alexandria, I now restocked. And fortunately, Tony's weapon of choice was uh, bourbon that he bought himself. So the Zabrowka was was mostly left remained untouched. intact. Okay, yeah, good. So good. I've got that ready. It, assuming. I mean, Joe Buddha willing, if the super fans out there can put all of their prayers, if, if um, his high emeritusness Bez himself could throw a few kind words to the, the big podcaster in the sky, if I could be healthy for next week's doubleheader, it would be truly a Joe Picks Pod miracle. I will, I will toast as a bracket of that. Absolutely. All right. And... One final email, Joe. This is breaking Joe Picks Pod news. Another Joe Picks Pod miracle. There were no celebrities, and I was about to dig through and find some Egyptian celebrities, but at the last minute, Karsten comes in with an email. He had the celebrities, and he also had a little uh, prefix. He says, couple of thoughts on the Japan episode. That high school baseball tournament that Tony PhD was talking about is awesome. I went when I was 13, the game we went to was played at the Hanshin Tigers, a Japanese equivalent to an MLB team, stadium, and it was sold out. Both school bands were there, and there were large sections waving huge flags. Atmosphere, much different than a U.S. baseball game, and I assume to the better, if I could read between the lines there. Mm-hmm. That's the email, Joe. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, I wonder if that's going to be going on when I'm in Japan. When does it happen? I don't know. When do, when do you think... I would assume that because Japanese people are so smart, and I'm just saying that based on a uh, stereotype I have of Japanese people being smart, that they would be in school for a long time. So I'd assume they would be in school at like... Because now, like, I don't think many Americans are in school or like school's ending pretty soon, oh, yeah. right? No, I think that they're year-round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be. Yeah. So, Dan, let me tell you, you know, my little bit of like listener mail actual mail that i got oh my goodness joe yeah you you put your address out there actual mail 
that I got from Superfan Josh. I gave him my real address and did not get a severed head in the mail, which is great. Wow, it could be could be on uh, on the way right now. You never know. But what did you get? I got a very nice note from Superfan Josh, not to be confused with Fan Emeritus PhD Josh, but Superfan Josh, who sent me not one but two sets of oh World Cup goodness. magnets. Can I see them? Yeah, Dan. Let me show you right now. So check it out. I got these beautiful World Cup magnets. Wow. Ooh, that look at that packaging, look at that. Joe. Great packaging. And I got a very nice note from Josh. It says, Joe, it includes the Tunisia magnet, despite you technically not entering the promo code Superfan. Signed the Superfan Josh. He said, I've included an extra set for whoever you think would like one. Wow. Wow. Which leads me to the question of which of our Superfans deserves this extra set of magnets? Well, uh, in our last podcast, we created the Cup of Joe, and that will be awarded. Well, it has been awarded to Tony, but it will go to the winner of the Fantasy Football League every year. But I guess in the... For obviously, we're not going to have some sort of World Cup thing every year, so we could have a World Cup pool if you wanted. We could have a, I don't know. Here's what I would like. Here's what I would like. I would like, I would like fan, fan emeritize to make a prediction about which team I'll pick. Okay. Because I'll tell you why. I think we should do it so that they actually get the magnets before the World Cup. Because it comes with this really cool thing that you can put up like on your phone. Oh, look at that. Where it actually has the bracket. And so you put the magnets up and then as as the tournament goes on, you move the teams forward. So it kind of I mean, it's a cool collector's item for sure. But it's actually cooler if you have it during the World Cup. And I will like overnight mail this to whoever wins. Um, so they have it for the round of 16. Uh, or I guess I could just regular mail it it's for the round of 16. But why don't super fans po- will post something on the Reddit. They predict what team I'm going to pick. I won't even look at it, so I won't be influenced by it. Yeah, you better not be. And then, and then whoever wins will send the magnet. If, well, if, if here, multiple people here, pick the same this? team. How about this? I don't even want people to... to- I don't want those to be public because they'll they'll see it themselves. Then email me. Email and it will make a special email address right now. I mean this is this is good stuff to separate it from all the other mailbag stuff. Send it to prediction at joepixpod.com. Okay? Prediction Great. at joepixpod.com. Put in what you think Joe will pick. I will keep them under lock and key. Just the just like the the Oscars do with the uh, best picture, and when you pick, I will. If somebody wins, I will give it. I'll tell you who won. If if somebody doesn't win, I'll just say whoever, whichever team got the furthest. No, no, no! You have to get it right. If no one gets it right, I'm going to burn this extra set like a Viking wow. funeral. All right, look, fair yeah. is fair. I mean, we, I know we have over 32 fan emeritus. Well, I guess there are not even that many teams. There are only 16 teams, or I guess if you count the zombie teams, I don't know, like 18 or something. So, yeah. But let me give, let me give uh, you know, a little plug here. First of all, these magnets are awesome. 
And thank you, Superfan Josh. Secondly, the website I'm going to tell people is wcmagnets.com. Just worldcupmagnets.com. Super easy. WC Magnets. And you can buy the magnets there. Remember, promo code Joe, and you get the free Tunisia magnet if you order the other 31. Now, wait a second, Joe. Uh, does it does everybody yeah. does it come with that uh, that bracket as you were showing? Is that part of the deal? It comes it, it comes with if the you bracket use the promo code. and it comes with this and it comes with this little sheet with the groups too, so you can use it for the group stage. And get this, this is how awesome Superfan Josh is. You go to his website, you can download the bracket for free. Wow. You don't even have to wow. buy anything. I, I need to do that right now, Joe, because I don't even know like. I know what group Egypt is in, but like, who do they play afterwards? I could see on the bracket. You just showed me. You could you could tell what what he just made the brackets. It's downloadable. You just print it out yourself if you want. Look, this is our, I guess our first. You've now cashed in our first. I mean, our first paid anything. Uh, this is the first time anybody has given anything to the podcast. We've given so much to the podcast, Joe. Our time, our hard earned dollars in terms of alcohol and podcasting equipment and now the community is starting to give back joe and i'm loving it and i think but here's here's the very best part about this magnet dan when we do our last two episodes to whittle my teams down from 16 to 2 we can use this bracket. oh wow wow so uh for, for so our you're gonna podcast. put the teams into groups Ooh. No, 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 not the group stage. So th- this is the round of 16 bracket. So once we know the seating, this is just like a sweet 16. Oh, I see. Well, it's very nice. Look at that. WC Magnets on there. Great branding. <sighs> that's hot. That's great, Joe. Look, super fan yeah, Josh, fan emeritus Josh. Technically, only his high emeritusness Bez can bestow that title upon him. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm an honorary uh, I, I guess Cardinal. I don't know. What am I? I'm out. What's higher than the Pope? Like who's actually controlling? Who's a, who's actually like pulling the strings back there? Well, I think the Pope reports to God. Yeah, but that's you in this, in this religion. No, well, I mean, not necessarily because there's like the father, the son and the Holy ghost. So there can be like multiple. Yeah, I'm the Holy there, ghost. You know? I like that in our religion. Yeah. I'm the Holy ghost. So I'm like, you know, speaking in Bez's ear so I can make it happen. So that's it. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Fan Emeritus. I mean, he's above Fan Emeritus. He's he's given to the podcast. I, I let's make him a saint. Yeah. Saint, saint Josh. Josh, boom. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well it it has been bestowed. It's been bestowed and with sainthood, this is very important, Joe. Upon his death, which hopefully will be many decades from now. Many World many, Cups from many now. Many World yes. Cups from now. He will have a burial plot saved for him in the High Holy Church of Joe Pixpodism. Correct. Correct. Yep. Which I guess is, is my garage. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it, well, it might be located in Green Bay. Ah, that's true. Or Germany. Well, I'm yeah. just trying to think yeah. where of the most holy events occurred in this podcast series because i have recorded i've had you here for a live podcast i've had tony and pam here for a live podcast i've had marcelo here for a live podcast in the brazil episode i mean a lot of podcasting histories occurred right here and frankly as was talked about when you were here that chimney over there i mean 
there could be like cremated. I mean, there, there could be other saints of Joe Pixbotism, like their ashes could be in there right now. Maybe that's what you have to do. Your ashes have to be be not scattered, but just stored in <laughs> in the ashes. In that's. I think that's it. I All think right, that's it. for future generations to find and reflect upon the. Uh, I guess in the future they're not going to have podcasts. The pie. I don't know what they're going to have, yeah. but I, I'm sure to them the podcast will be as archaic as this hundred year old brick chimney is in this house. <laughs> All right. Well, this was very nice from St. Josh. Yes. Well, without further ado, Joe, is it time to, to, to get into this? Let's talk a little Egypt. All right. My, my motherland. Yes. As it were. Now, speaking of land, let's learn a little bit more about this land, your motherland, in a segment I like to call Homeland Handbook. The name of the people from this land an Egyptian, a group of Egyptians who are all Egyptian. Languages. The official language is Arabic, although English and French are widely understood by the educated classes. Religions. Muslim, predominantly Sunnis, make up 90%. Christians, mainly Coptic Orthodox, but also some Armenian, Apostolic, Catholic, Maronite, Orthodox, and Anglican make up 10%. And the capital city is, of course, Cairo. Now, Joe, your father was born in this land. Your grandfather Mm -hmm. was born in this land. Your grandmother was born in this land. I think my grandfather was maybe born in Yemen. Uh, Maybe he was born. No, he was born in Egypt. That's right. He he was born. His father was born. I was just saying these things, but I know your father was born in Egypt. Definitely. So of definitely, and definitely my grandmother. So of was. all of the countries that you should have a close tie with, that you should be able to get these trivia questions right. This is the one, Joe. What is the chief export of Egypt? Oh, the chief export of Egypt. Gosh, I mean, I don't know. They have a canal, so like we talked about this with Panama. Can your chief export be canal passage? Through the Suez Canal? Yeah. It can't It's be. not, no. We, we, we determined that, that that counts towards your GDP, but it technically doesn't count as an export. Although you're not we really weren't quite anything. sure if it also might have counted as an import and then an export. Oh, yeah. Did we ever figure that out? That was yeah, weird. I, I still think... Frankly, you know, they came out with those Panama papers that were like all those rich people hiding all their money. I think that had something to do with it. I think there's still some uh, some shady business going on in Panama. Okay, so let me talk this out. So, okay, Egypt. This one. Okay, I think I know what the answer is, or what my answer is, which is probably the wrong answer. Egypt feels like a car country, but that's too easy. Certainly, it's like an oil rich area, but I don't think of Egypt as like an oil or petroleum company. Um, country but the one thing i know you see and you hear a lot about is egyptian cotton so i'm gonna say cotton damn it although i think cotton i think textiles is actually up there but it's not one of their top two so that's a you sort of i i get some credit for that but the actual number one is uh sweet sweet crude petroleum they do produce a lot of oil and their second export is actually none other than gold. 
Gold. Oh, yeah. I guess Egyptian gold is a thing, right? Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, they're not actually, because I was like, oh, is Egypt like the leading exporter of gold in the world? But as it turns out, they're like not even in the top 15. But for them, I get, they don't really export a ton of stuff. I mean, they're like a good economy-ish, but they're not like a, a great bustling economy. So they don't really need to export that much gold for it to be their, their number two export. But they, they export a, a but, ton you know, of oil. It is interesting. When you have a canal, you actually don't need to be a big exporter of stuff from your country because basically you profit from everyone else exporting. I mean, maybe. I think Panama does. Like, I don't know if Egypt well, does. But the Suez Canal is like the Panama for for the the other half of the world. Like it's how you get shit around like Europe and the Mediterranean. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't really know if it's because I mean the <laughs> Panama Canal you hear about all the time, but yeah, I don't I, I don't really know how it works. I didn't even know the Suez Canal. I just think that's because we're ocean. here. We hear about it. I think that people talk about the Suez Canal just as much. It's just not 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 here. Mm, interesting. Well, look, you know how I love talking about canals, Joe. I'm a big canal guy. I'm not an expert on the Suez Canal. I wish I had done more research. So interesting trivia fact, Dan. If you're going through the Suez Canal, are you going east or west? Well, I'm looking at it right what now. What do you think? <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> you're going south, north and south. Interestingly, you're going north and south. Most people would think differently, I think. But, you know, there you go. Wow. That's great, Joe. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, okay. So you got it wrong. Suez Canal, also wrong, but very interesting. And look, we've learned a fun fact. More canal facts. Joe, there are 32 countries in the World Cup. You've answered this question for 29 of them. I don't know how many you've gotten right. I don't know. Let's say over half of them. There are three left. Yeah, probably 50-50. Had you been paying attention, you'd know the answer, but you haven't been. So, of those 32 countries, where does Egypt rank in population? Number 10. Number 10. Wow. You didn't even think about it. You just went for it. You're trusting your instincts. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I got it dead on. Nope. You are wrong. So it is not number 10, Joe. Much like the price is right. Now, do you think... I'm going to give you one last chance at this. And this is just straight up. 50-50 for you. The serial music really doesn't make sense here, but I just want to play it on this podcast once before it's over. Joe? Yeah. Egypt is either between 1 and 9, or it's between 11 and 32. Which do you think it's bigger than 10 or smaller than 10? And this is for all the marbles. I'll give you full credit if you get this right. I think it's bigger. I think it's bigger. Do you mean the number is bigger yeah. or Egypt is bigger? I think Egypt has more than 10 people. <laughs> That's what you're asking. <laughs> Joe, you got it. Egypt does have more than 10 people. It has a lot more than 10 people, Joe. Wow, that was incredible. Egypt has 97 million people, Joe. That sounds about right. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. sixth largest country in the world cup countries 
It's the 14th largest country in the world. And Joe, as you know, in Africa, we already know the biggest country. That's Nigeria. We all know the second biggest country, Ethiopia. But what is the third biggest country? That's right, Egypt, the third largest country on the continent of Africa. Wow, how exciting, Joe. Speaking of Africa, let's look at how this team qualified for the World Cup. You know, before you go to that, just just to mention that www.canalfacts.com is a currently unregistered domain. So I think we should hop on it, Dan. I feel like that should be canalfacts.org, Joe. Let's let's pretend that we have like uh, it's a nonprofit thing. We're from the uh, the uh, International Canal Council. Yeah, we're we're, we're like the uh, Iceland people, except for for canals. Or we just want people to talk more about canals. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Canalfacts.com and .org are are both un untaken. Uh, dot .net strangely is is a, a very active page. Oh. Hmm. I wonder if that's like the internet service provider for like the Panama Canal, where they go and they're like, when you connect to the Wi-Fi, like that's the default homepage you go to. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think I think this Canalfax is uh, you know going to be the next Google. Yeah, well, we, we've got to make money somehow out of this podcast. I mean, it's coming to an end, and we really haven't. I guess you've cashed in on two sets of magnets. I've really, I've really got nothing. I got jack squat, Joe, except for a headache, a sinus infection, and hours and hours and hours of wasted time, and a very strangely filled liquor cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I don't want to sneak preview on that Columbia stuff, but man. <laughs> It's going to take a while to to go through that stuff. (laughs) Anyways, Egypt, coming out of the Confederation of African Football, they were the ninth seed overall. So as we remember in the multiple podcasts we've done, that means they get the buy into the second round. But the second round doesn't give them too much much leeway because they were paired with the country of Chad, who is the 45th overall seed in Africa. But that's it. Two games. Aggregate goals. If they lose to Chad, they're out. And in fact, in their first game at Chad, they lose one to nil. So going in, this is it. Just to start their campaign and qualifying, they're already hosting Chad at home in the second leg. And they must beat them by if they tie or lose, they're out. That's it. Two games. But they do. They have a nice, comfortable 4-0 win. So they win uh, that round in aggregate 4-1, to one, and they go to the third and final round. So they're the pot two team. They get into group E with the pot one team, Ghana, the pot three team, Uganda, and the pot four team, the Congo. So Ghana is the number three overall seed in Africa. They're the favorite of the group, and they've qualified for the last three World Cups. So Ghana is a team that's been there before. They've gone through this qualifying. And yeah, they're clearly probably the favorite in the group. Definitely. No question about it. Right. Yeah. Egypt gets off to a very hot start. They win 2-1 to one at the Congo. Then they beat Ghana 2-0 at home. So that's very that's good. Huge. But then, oof, lost to Uganda 1-0 on the road. But then in the next game, they avenge that and beat them 1-0 at home. So... They're going to the fifth game of the group. 
Now, the thing that I'm sure you guys remember from our prior uh, episodes about this, this group, there's no phony baloney, uh, second place goes into some other bullshit playoff. It's it. You win the group, you're in the World Cup. You don't win the group, you're out. So this is high stakes. There's no... There's no um, Joe picks podism, of course, is famous for having moral victories, but clearly this is not the case in Africa. Like, Africa's not really a hotspot for Joe picks podism. No moral victories. You win. No, I mean, we haven't sent, we haven't sent the missionaries down there yet, so give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah, give it time. But I would like to see a lot of, like, playoffs for the second place team, so I think that adds more drama to it. But, you know, not the Africans. They haven't been. Oh yeah, I mean Joe picks potism would dictate you should have five or six ch- chances of qualification. Yeah, I mean the U.S. really. We should. Every team should get to just have like a do over and just be like, yeah. we really weren't prepared. Yeah, no. Every team gets one mulligan. They can take it whenever they yeah. want. They can just say we want to try that game one more time. Yeah. Every team should do it. So like, if if we beat Mexico, they can be like, we take their mulligan, and that's fine. We got to deal with that. And, you know, every team... And it's fair. It actually plays into some of the strategy of the U.S. team because maybe maybe you're up, like, 2-1 to one against Mexico, but you're fine with a draw, so you let them score, hoping that they won't use their mulligan. Oh, that's good. Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, almost every team would want to use their mulligan against the U.S. so they can get a stake of, like, the the massive, like, stadiums and all the ticket sales. No, but the second game with the mulligan is played in front of an empty stadium. <laughs> That's the thing. You don't want people. You don't want people messing you, the, with the mulligan. Cannot be abused. Financial. So it Maybe would be right. exactly like the Trinidad Tobago game as it were played the first time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, they go into the fifth game, and now this is weird because normally they sync up the games, so there can be no chicanery. So the the groups have four teams, so they make sure both games are played at the same time. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, But yeah. for some reason, and I'm sure there is a reason for it, but I don't know what it is, the Ghana-Uganda match ended a day before, or was played a day before, and that ended in a nil-nil draw. So what this meant is going into this game, Egypt had two games left. Ghana and Uganda each had only one game left because they've already played their fifth game. Egypt is winning the group with nine points. Uganda is in second with eight points. And Ghana, having a terrible campaign, are down at five points. All, I mean, I guess technically eliminated at that point. So, Egypt is up by one with two games in hand. Which means, if they win their fifth game, that's it. They have an unsurmountable lead. They're four points ahead with only one game left. And, get this. They're playing the worst team in the group, Congo, at home. I mean... What could go wrong? How easy is this? But, Joe... This is the the problem of the games being played in advance. Because if the games are playing at the same time, they wouldn't have known it was for the birth in the World Cup. Because if Uganda, for example, had beaten Ghana, then it, the whole situation would have been different. But because they knew it was drawn, because they knew the situation, here I'm going to read a quote uh, from a, an article written about the game. The desperation to qualify was so great ahead of the Congo match that the Argentina-born Egypt coach Hector Cooper, well, Cooper, I don't know. What do you think is the Argentinian pronunciation of C-U-P-E-R? Cooper. Okay. Hector Cooper admitted he was taking medication for high blood pressure. I am taking hypertension medicine due to the stress I suffer from continuing criticism. 
Life is full of stress, but the challenge of reaching the World Cup is the toughest stress I have ever faced. I also realized before I finished this story that I didn't talk about Egypt's history at the World Cup, which will be quite brief, which is good because it's not going to take us too out of this story. They've only qualified for the World Cup two times. The first time, they didn't even qualify because it was the second ever World Cup. And I think as long as you agreed to go, you got to go. And the only (laughs) other one they qualified for was the 1990 World Cup. In neither of the World Cups they've entered, have they won a game? And in fact, they've only, in the last World Cup, they only scored one goal. So this is is a a country that has not been in the World Cup since 1990. And before that, hasn't been in the World Cup since 1934. So the... Qualifying for the World Cup means would mean so much to this nation. All they have to do is beat Congo at home, the worst team in the group. They score in the 63rd minute a goal from Mo Salah. But in the 88th minute, Congo equalizes. Ugh, Congo. It's one on. to one. And again, if they only draw this match, then they'll go into the final match and they will be two points up on uganda however uganda is playing congo and then they are playing ghana so you can easily imagine they lose to ghana and then and it's playing at ghana so you can imagine egypt loses to ghana uganda beats congo and that's it the dreams are gone yeah it's all gone a draw is no good it's the 88th minute i stress just listening to this in the 94th minute though an extra time midfielder mahmoud ibrahim hassan a.k.a. Trezeguet, is taken down in the box. And a penalty is awarded in the 94th minute, Joe. Oh, my God. So, let's take you to that moment in time, Joe. Muhammad Salah with the Mu'a. Muhammad Salah. Muhammad Salah puts the ball on the spot. Ya Rabbi Salah. Muhammad Salah. Muhammad Salah. Wapa! Allah! Allah! Allah, ya bladda Allah! He sounds so happy. It goes on for like two more minutes. (laughs) So, Mama Sola puts a ball in the spot comfortably nets it. I mean, the goalie, like, jumps way in advance because he's a goalie from the Congo, has no idea what he's doing, and Salah just tucks it neatly into the right side of the net. Goal is scored. The game is over. Everybody rushes to field. The commentator is praising God, crying on the, the broadcast, and Egypt has qualified for the World Cup through the fifth game. They were the first team in Africa to uh, qualify Qualified with one game in advance. Their last game against Ghana was meaningless. It was a 1-1 draw, but again, it was meaningless for everybody. So who knows what would have happened had that uh, 84-minute miracle. I mean, imagine Mo Salah has a penalty kick. The weight of a... I mean, if he misses that penalty kick, like one person shouldn't have to deal with that. I know. It's too much. It's too much. I mean, talk about blood pressure medication. I know. But cool as a cucumber. Uh, And also, uh, hat tip to fan emeritus Fernando, who sent me the video and said specifically, 
that that audio is from, who said, he sent this over a month ago. He said for the Egypt episode, you must, you must watch this video because it shows exactly what it, it meant to everybody. I mean, the commentators, I mean, just imagine a, a, a commentator for a U.S.-based team, or even the U.S. men's national team, like, if the U.S. had done a miracle comeback against Trinidad and Tobago, like praising God and, and, you know, breaking down as they were their commentator. I know. I know. Uh, no, I mean, you could hear the emotion in his voice. Yeah. And uh, Mosul led the group, their little group, uh, with five goals in the I, – I don't know if he even played in the sixth game, but, you know, either five goals in five games or six games, including, of course – the uh, the one that, that put them into the World Cup. So, where did they end up in the World Cup? We've already talked about this group, not once, not twice, but thrice before. It's with Russia, Uruguay, and Saudi Arabia. Now, actually, I, I wonder if any of these teams are actually through to, the, uh, to your Sweet 16. I probably should have researched this in advance, but I didn't. I think Saudi Arabia is out. Saudi Arabia is out. What are the other teams again? Uruguay and Russia. Uruguay's through. Uruguay's in Russia's and out. Russia's out. Okay. So the group, Group A, this is as this group was um the seating was pulled, uh five thirty eight did an article basically saying this is like the second easiest group ever in the history of the World Cup. Because the pot A team, Russia, is like technically by FIFA rankings, the worst team in the World Cup. Yeah. So for that's yeah. your pot A yeah. team, you it's great. Um, the the pot B team, Uruguay, is like a good team, but they're not. There were better teams in in the second right. pot, and Saudi Arabia is the worst team in the World Cup, other than Russia. So this is an absolutely great draw for Egypt. Like there's there's no pot they could have, no group they could have been in that possibly would give them a better chance of getting out. Yeah, this is like the best possible draw they could have. Best right. possible yeah. draw. So I'm just going to use 538 numbers about the odds to advance. Russia, 74%. Uruguay, 72%. Egypt, 40%. And Saudi Arabia, 14%. Now, normally I talk about their odds to get to the various levels. But for whatever reason, I could not find those betting odds. But what I have is even better. I have their match odds now. We've got match odds. So I've got the odds for all three of their matches in order. So their first match, they open against Uruguay. 14% 14% chance to win, 25% chance to draw, 60% chance to lose. So they are definitely underdogs in that. But again, you know, 25% chance to draw. They play Uruguay, come away with the draw. They're feeling real good. Right, 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 right. Then they play Russia. So 22% chance to win, 27% chance to draw, and 50% to lose. So again, an underdog, but not as heavy of an underdog. And their chance of winning is much higher because I think... If I had to speculate as to why, I think the betting, the, the odds makers are like pretty unsure about what they're going to get with Russia. Like, I, th- I think Russia, they're obviously the home team, and historically that's been very good, but they're also bad. So, and there's also the like, we will wait and see how much, like, how much bribery and corruption are going on. Definitely. Like, at least like 20% that's a, that's a big of the, those odds of Russia to win are just, you know, some so like 
Mosulah is getting like some uh, pain medication yeah. or something, and it happens to have been like switched with like poison or something with arsenic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or if like the refs are like in the like uh, you know sights of a trained sniper the entire time, and like you know, just knowing that any call could be their last. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, look if they can interfere with our election, Joe. I mean, it, interfering with something as corrupt as FIFA is already like it's yeah. It's there's already built in interference in in FIFA. Yeah, I mean it's either the type of thing where it's gonna like cancel out because it's only like when you're already so corrupt, like like the Russians may be like out of their league in like corruption here, or it'll just be like double corruption. Like eat like both FIFA and Russia will be like learning tips from each other, and then it's gonna be like the corruption is just gonna be off the charts. Yeah. It- and you heard that Michael Cohen is the new uh, chairman of FIFA, right? <laughs> I don't know. That just that was breaking news today. Yeah. Well, look, it's a great, great appointment. He's a great guy. He definitely he'll he'll keep everything running smoothly. And look, I don't want to be too critical of FIFA because I don't want to get a death threat from him. But you know what? I won't. He's great. FIFA's great. What a great organization. What a great choice of of Russia and. So let's just finish off their their match odds, Joe, against Saudi Arabia. I mean, how awesome is this for a team that, even if they don't beat Uruguay, even if they don't beat Russia, which would be sad, I would like to see them beat Russia or draw Uruguay, they could get their first ever World Cup win, and they will be heavily favored to do so against Saudi Arabia. 54% chance to win, 26% chance to draw, and only a 20% chance to lose. So they... You know, we believe in these moral victories. They could, it, at the very least, they're heavily favored to come away with a win, their first ever World Cup win, which I think would be very meaningful for this country. I mean, what's interesting is that there's a path where the game against Saudi Arabia could could actually be their first World Cup win, and they could still advance from the group. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, if they can draw Uruguay... If they draw one of those first two games... Really, either of those first two yeah. games. If they draw one of those first two games and then just beat the shit out of Saudi Arabia, you can kind of see a situation where maybe Russia in the Russia in the first game of Saudi Arabia, like even if they win, it's low scoring, and then they lose to you know. I mean, it it could be an interesting group because it could just be sort of like bad teams. There's. There's more room for variance when there's bad teams. There's more just like weird shit might just yeah, happen. Yeah, and this Russian team, I mean, well, we talked about it a long time. We did the Russia episode, but it's like, what, I, what is this Russian team going to be like? Like, who knows what is going to happen? Who knows who, who's going to come out and be the star? Who knows the style of play they're going to play, you know, at this level? Because, you know, frankly, they, they don't, you know, play at this level or play well at this level that often. And Saudi Arabia, I mean, who the fuck knows what Saudi Arabia is going to be like? Like, I mean, Egypt could score like 10 goals against Saudi Arabia, you know, if Mosul gets going. Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, that is a big wild card. I mean, you know, it it's it's similar to um, the South Africa World Cup because South Africa was equally just a team that I don't think that they've qualified for the World Cup since. Have they? Uh, I probably not, because I think the African teams, even though there is this variance, it still does. 
the teams that qualify are normally the like top sides and you know south africa cannot be one of them yeah and south africa drew their first game then got the shit kicked out of them by um by uruguay in the second game i'm looking for the third game right now but they drew against mexico so that's like that's that's some whole field advantage right there right it was a first game they're super excited Obviously, beat a much better team, or tie a much better team at least. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they drew their f- first game, lose three nil to Uruguay, and then Uruguay oh, and again, beat France. Then they beat France. My God, two to one. But that's but that huge. was when France was in like collapse. Yeah, it still was apparently not enough to get them out of Group A, though. Well, Joe, the overall odds to win the World Cup, 150 to 1. So, you know, a bit of a long shot, I would say. Yeah, that's not good odds. And now, now is that impacted by the Salah injury? Like, what was it before that? Uh, I've been keeping a close watch on this, and I will note that odds have changed. The overall tournament favorite was a team we have not covered yet. No, no spoilers. But that has changed. The overall betting odds favorite now is Brazil. They have overtaken them based on the, the friendlies the, the, this weekend. And presumably Neymar coming back healthy and, and looking good. So uh, the odds are changing. But the odds for this team have not moved in uh, neither in the group nor uh, overall. So I, I think we sort of talked about this last week a little bit. You know, they're, they're sort of long shots anyways, a little bit. And, and obviously, he's very important. And I think if the news did come out that he's certainly out, the group odds would probably change a little bit. But I don't think the overall odds are really yeah. changing all that yeah. much. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, look, I, you know, I think Egypt is a double-edged sword here because on one hand, like, just their very presence in the World Cup is exciting for them. You're right. First World Cup victory ever. That would be huge. Um, so you want to give them some credit for that. They're a little bit too bad, obviously, because, you know, there's still a greater than, there's a greater chance that they don't make it out of the group stage than that they do. However, this group is really enticing for them. And I could actually see them getting out of the group. And, and I mean, wouldn't that be exciting if Egypt not only got their first win, but made it out of the group? Um, so... I think that is all working in their favor, despite being a little too bad in this category. So I'm going to say an even five out of ten. Five, yeah, I think it's a fair score because they just could it couldn't have asked for a better group because there are a lot of groups that they would get put in where if it wasn't for this group, it would be like a two or three out of ten. Yeah. But yeah, all right, Dan, category six, category six, wow, everyone's favorite, wow, Joe. Thanks to. Super fan Yannick, whose his time will come next week in our final doublehead. He's been waiting so long. He, of course, does a fan culture. And he says, the Egyptian team, the nickname, the Pharaohs. Egypt oh, I like that. is the ultimate underdog. After many years without a World Cup, ex- uh, World Cup appearance, Egypt is back. They have won the Africa Cup a few times in recent years. So most of Africa is well aware of the skill of the Egyptian but maybe the world isn't. Egyptians are hyped to be an underdog. 
watching the World Cup matches, smoking shisha at your local hookah bar is the way to go. And Yannick notes he loves shisha, so he notes that as well. Cool. I, I cool. actually can't do that because any t- type of flavored tobacco is illegal in San Francisco. So That's interesting. But, but, but weed is legal. Weed is legal. But if it's weed-flavored tobacco... Nope, can't do it. No. Get that out of here. Got to protect the children, Joe. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the kit right now. It's red. There's some really cool concept kits, one with hieroglyphics on it, one with, like, um, with like some sort of, like, Egyptian god cat on it. Uh, but I think those are all, like, fan concept kits. Yeah, I mean, I watched the video, and I'll post the video that I did the brief audio clip just to see the, the, the penalty, the takedown, and the, the penalty kick. But, you know, their kit is it's definitely predominantly red, but it's it's good-looking red. I mean, it, it's, like, exactly what you expect that for most law to be wearing. Like, honestly, he could be wearing his Liverpool jersey, and you couldn't tell the difference. Maybe that's a big reason why he, he signed for Liverpool. I mean, I think, it, like, there are certain colors or whatever that I like wearing more than others. I feel more myself. So I'm sure he's, like, red's probably his color. And he looks good in red, Joe. Come on. But isn't it like men in blazers that have like the theory of like all fandom are like red teams or blue teams and like you you like decide at an early age which one you are? Look, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a a blue team person. I think I'm I mean, I like blue too. Red's a little too ostentatious for me, but it's very clear that most law is a red guy. Like he's he, he is. is just through and through in and out red and he performs in red. Like, there's just no doubt about it. He's setting records in red. Yeah, I mean, look, and 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 that's what Egypt should want most of all, is they should want to keep Mo Salah happy. Like, even if their color wasn't red before, they should change it to yeah. red. <laughs> <laughs> they should be like, we're just going to, we're going to call ourselves Liverpool. I mean, to be honest, maybe that's what they World did. Cup. You know, what's the difference? You know what's weird? I mean... I I guess he wouldn't want to do it, but I don't know. Like, would a team like Egypt ever just hire Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, to just be their World Cup manager? I mean, it's a, their manager is some Argentinian person, which I'm sure is he's probably under the uh, in the coaching tree of your uh, your favorite person in the world. Pochettino. I'm sure. I mean, I guess I guess my my big oh, and Pochettino, by the way, well. We'll get into it in a minute. Um, my question is less about like it being a foreigner than the question of like they always treat it like it's a full time job. Like you can't manage a club and manage a World Cup team. But like, but like Jurgen Klopp is successfully managing the by far the best player on your team. Like just let him come for the World Cup. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, d- yeah. the The problem is these club managers like. Why would they do it? They don't. They don't need the added stress, Joe. I mean, just give them a shitload of of that sweet Egyptian gold and cotton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, you get enough gold in there. And the funny thing is, uh, the the like export is officially the it was classified as like 
unlabeled like nuggets of gold. It's like that sounds pretty good. Load, <laughs> load me up some oh, of yeah. that. Yeah, just throw some of those nuggets out there. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, this fan culture sounds good. I, I like the nickname Pharaohs. The jersey's all right. Um, you know, uh, six out of ten. Wow. Joe, get this. Pochettino yeah. and Hector Cooper have been on the phone with each other. Oh, my God. Age 27, Pochettino was playing for Espanol and took the call from the head coach of Valencia, his compatriot, Hector Cooper. The deal, already agreed in principle, meant a crack at the Champions League. Look at this. Mauricio Pochettino's first lesson how to be a good manager. I think it's the opposite. Pochettino learned under this guy. Wow. Joe, I can't read the rest of the article because it's a paywall. But look at this. I mean, wow! Hang in, hang in with Mr. Cooper. I, oh, Joe, this is this is huge. This guy, I mean, if if true, that's got to be worth some extra points. If Pochettino might have learned, this guy Hector Cooper might have given Pochettino's big break. I was busy reading that article, so I don't know what score you gave them. <laughs> I said six, but you're right. I mean. Let's say six and a half. Well, now. further, oh, more look. research needs to be done. There was the paywall there, so I'm not exactly sure what happened on that phone call. Cause Let's give him the half point. Six and a half. All right. Wow. I mean, we'll, we'll have to do more research off the pod to, to figure that out. I mean, I assumed that the, arch, that the Egyptian coach would be, like, really young for some reason. Like, some inexperienced person. Oh, but look at this guy. He's really old. Hector Cooper yeah, he is. is 62. Oh, wow. Joe. Yeah, so Pochettino is like his protege. Wow. So he taught Pochettino, and then the student became the master. Love it. Well, no, no wonder he's on that blood pressure medication. Too. I mean, he should not be doing this for his health. <laughs> All right, category 11, Dan. All right. More audio. The national anthem. Belady, Laki, Hubi, Wa, Fuadi. My homeland, you have my love in my heart is the national anthem of Egypt. The melody was composed by Saeed Darwish, and it was adopted in 1979. The lyrics, the love of the homeland, is repeated a lot. Fun facts. After a war with Israel, it was chosen as the more peaceful alternative to the previous version about, quote, volcanoes of anger, volcanoes erupting, earthquakes digging the enemy into their graves. Hmm. Hmm. That's a, a like, pretty, like, geologically... Um... Uh, intense anthem there yeah but if you think about it joe parting of the red sea like i think egypt natural disasters and war it's like i mean it goes back thousands of years yeah they go hand in hand sure 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 all right let's hear it
Well, that was jaunty, Dan. Very jaunty. You know, I, I'm i surprised how trumpety it was. I was expecting like it to sound more Middle Eastern, like a lute or like, a, you know, like a harp or something, maybe. Some drums, even. It was very trumpety. Yeah, I thought it might have had, you know, you Mizrahis are famous for your, uh, what, do you, what do you call that tongue thing? Oh, ululating. La, 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 yeah. La. Yes. <laughs> very good. I mean, your children are very good at that. I thought there might be some of that in there. I I feel like when it's actually sung in a stadium, that must happen like before, during, and after. Yeah. I actually thought I heard Mo Salah's name in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was definitely prominently featured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was okay. That was okay. I mean, it was upbeat, a little repetitive. Though maybe the words were different because I couldn't understand them. But, it was in and out, though. Um, I mean, that's uh, an hour or a minute, 30 seconds. So that's definitely – there are ones that totally. are, like, jaunty and they're like that, but for four minutes. So they got in and out. Surgical. Totally. Totally. I, I – you know I appreciate the brevity. That anthem said what it needed to say. Let's say – I mean, let's just do it again. Six and a half out of ten. Six and a half. Wow. Because Joe – Joe picks podism. Brevity is one of our, what's the opposite of the, um, what are those bad things? Your, uh, your seven, uh, deadly yeah. sins. So yeah. what's the opposite of yeah. the sin? It's a mitzvah. To yeah. Be- <laughs> brevity is a mitzvah in our religion. Brevity is a mitzvah. Yeah. That's We're right. all about that's brevity. Right. We're all about surgical in and out. And so that's huge. I think it sounds like if they're just talking about the homeland and they're not talking about this war thing. That's almost like a moral victory because didn't they lose the war to Israel? Totally. Yeah. So they're like, look, look, we didn't, we didn't even want to yeah. win that war. They're like, you know what? Yeah. All you guys do is talk about this war. Look how beautiful our homeland is. Yeah. Yeah. We're super peaceful. Look now. over here. Let's sing about Mosul. Look at our fields yeah. of oil. Look at our giant gold. Oh, and look at this. <laughs> Mosul in his beautiful red. You want to ship stuff from China? We have a beautiful canal. Boom. Be a shame if something happened to it. All right. Did All you right. know uh, it goes north south? Yeah, you'd be surprised. Category seven, Dan. Category seven. All right, Joe. Wow. We're just jumping from category to category here. This is probably our holiest episode yet. I mean, we're hitting all of the, the mitzvahs. It's true. It's true. This will this this will radically change the canon of Joe Pick's potism forever. Yeah, I'm loving it. Atrocities. Egypt has faced a lot of political instability in recent years with successive regimes. Oh no. Joe. I think I think I just committed one of the seven deadly sins of Joe Pick's potism. Which I is? did not attribute this category properly. Oh, oh. I mean, I mean, there are, I mean, there are more than ten commandments in Joe Pick's Potism. There's, there's about thirty-seven commandments, but one of them is to always properly attribute sources. Oh no, is it? Do we have confession in our religion? Well, yeah, but you don't have to confess. People confess to oh, you. Oh, all right, great. You're. <laughs> That's right. I'm the Holy Ghost. Dan, you're, you're infallible. Yeah. So even your mistakes are meant are are placed to teach us all a lesson. Yeah. You know what? When superfan. Fan Emeritus Josh PhD sent this to me. He should have put that right at the beginning. So I didn't not read it without saying it. Ugh. It's true. Josh Josh is the one who needs to repent. All right. 
well, he'll have his chance. You know, I'm, I'm very forgiving. I'm very forgiving. Egypt has faced a lot of political instability in recent years, with successive regimes accused of human rights violations against political opponents. That said, this is violence against the Egyptian people, many of whom who are presumably active fans of their national soccer team. So we'll focus on any bad actions abroad. Egypt has some tensions with Sudan, particularly over a triangle of land both parties claim, though it's ultimately pretty minor. Obviously, Egypt's historical role... Wait, do they all want that phosphorus? Is that what's going on here? No, I actually did see on their Wikipedia page, they've got some phosphorus. People, people love that sweet, sweet African phosphorus. Not, we're not talking like Western Sahara level of phosphorus, but maybe Eastern Sahara? Doesn't the, isn't the Sahara Desert go through Egypt? Oh, I mean, probably. Yeah. It's a big-ass desert. Yeah. Uh... Their historical relations with Israel are tense, but I'm not going to judge that one. Uh, I'm not going to judge it either way, which goes to say... No, let's not delve into that, PhD Josh. Egypt gets off pretty lightly. What is... Does Joe Pixpotism have an official stance on the uh, Middle Eastern conflicts, Joe? I mean, one of the central tenets of Joe Pixpotism is, is avoiding taking a stance on anything. I love it. I think uh, another... Well, well, still constantly picking. Another, it's, it's tough. Another mitzvah of Joe Pixpotism is just changing the subject. Like <laughs> exactly, if somebody talks about it, just talk about the talk about sports. Pochettino, yeah, Ooh. Pochettino is always the go-to topic. <laughs> you really, you talk about Pochettino to like clerks at the stores, and they have no idea what you're talking about. Talk about sainthood! Oh my god, you know you can just ask about the weather, but for you, it's just Pochettino. <laughs> I mean, you said, you teased earlier, you have Pochettino news to bring up. I do. I do. Uh, but we have to get I mean, through this. But I'll address it in Pochettino corner. Yeah. Which goes to say, Egypt gets off pretty lightly on the atrocities category, though they should be dinged in the system of government for violence and repression of their own people. Also, the pharaohs, Joe, they did some bad shit. But even Josh thinks that's a little too far back. Atrocity level, Brendan Fraser in The Mummy Returns. I mean, here's the problem with this category for me is that it, it it is a little personal because like my my family, well, they, you know, they they were from Egypt. They were also they had to like they, they were refugees from Egypt. Yeah. They had to flee Egypt because they were essentially kicked out. Now, this was this was like immediately following the war with Israel. So obviously, like it's complicated, but like, you know they were treated pretty like poorly. I mean, so you wouldn't like, I mean, like you could point out that like Japanese internment was complicated by the fact that we were in a war with Japan in America, but it's not like that at all excuses or makes Japanese internment better. And this is sort of like the same, right? Where it's like, yeah, there was like an active war going on um, or like the fallout from a war going on. Cause it was a pretty short war, but like it still really sucked for my family. And like, they were refugees and it kind of like, ruined a lot of their lives i mean my dad's fine but like you know my grandparents weren't mm. yeah i was about to say maybe it was a blessing in disguise but it's probably probably better for the kids than it was for the uh the adults well i mean and they got to go to america and a lot of my family went to you know like extended family they went to israel or france or some went to england so they're kind of everywhere but like you know i'm sure there were a lot of people that weren't so lucky i mean like my family was like relatively well off um yeah yeah. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So I guess that's a good thing. It's a Joe Pixpod miracle. Right. 
And yet, like, you know, shouldn't I judge atrocities against, you know, my family, like, you know, more harshly? You must. I mean, one tenet of Joe Pick's podism is we are very tribal, Joe. Any attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. That's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, we we were harsh on England's political system for not electing Bez. I mean, you know, you know, they rejected them as Rahis in Egypt. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking my tourism dollars elsewhere. Never going back to England again until Bez is rightfully elected. He, he, he better be the next black rod. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's, I mean, look, this is personal. Two out of 10. Ouch. Oof. And I'll tell you, I think Josh might have committed another sin there by not knowing about your family history in Egypt. Josh. Do the poorly, research, you know? Poorly researched. Yeah. I know. It's bad. Category 10. Category 10. All right, Joe. That category selection was poorly researched because that doesn't exist. But, you know, I'm just going to go to nine. Because this one, it's so, so long. And my head is just like, got to get rid of, got to finish category eight. Then I can relax. This is my my last work for the podcast. Wait, 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 are, wait are we category eight or category nine? Nine, nine. What, I'm just, my brain is already just thinking about going through all this. It's, but I can do it, Joe. I believe. This is, I'm getting strength from the inner Joe Picks podism, my, my belief we don't really pray, but we do sort of close our eyes and take a deep breath and feel the uh, the holy podcast within us. Yeah, and we usually power nap while we're doing oh. that. We love a good power nap. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Absolutely. You know, Megan took a power nap today. I've never seen anything like it. And then she was, like, yelling at me for having the TV on too loud, which is what I do. It's really. I mean, Dan, you drove me around to San Francisco while I was power napping. <laughs> you you really live for the power nap because the thing is i can power nap whenever i want you like you just have to take in a couple minutes of like power nap goodness and then you're just right back on absolutely absolutely but that's but that's just my my uh piousness yeah towards joe pig's podism it's your cross to bear that's your boulder to push up that's your accelerated podcast schedule that must be done because the world cup <laughs> wouldn't it be great if they just delayed the world cup like if there were like snow days and it was like the world cup was actually delayed a week oh my god if fifa sent out if michael cohen sent out like a mass email to every soccer fan that was like hey guys you know th- there's some complications we're gonna start on the 21st instead of the 14th i would be so happy it'd be so great or you know he's like threatening it's like hey it'd be a shame if that world cup of yours wouldn't start on time you know we uh Coca-Cola, we need a little bit more from you, you know, because uh, it's it's just not cutting it, you know. I don't even know if we're going to hold the World Cup, you know. He would just say, the date's always been the 21st. Yeah. And we'd say, well, it, it was the 14th. He'd be like, says who? He'd be like, no, come on, Michael. It's not an argument. Be like, my WC magnets thing. <laughs> my bracket. What's funny is, if we got an extra week, we would just skip a week and not record and be in the exact same position we're in now. We'd absolutely squander it. That's, <laughs> it's a big part of Joe Pick's podism. Squandering things. I mean, procrastination. procrastination yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm absolutely. procrastinating reading this category. Had I just had I just done it, we'd be done by now. We'd, we'd <laughs> have know all about the politics of Egypt. I could be relaxing. 
All right. Thanks. And, you know, sometimes Ryan didn't, like, send in the head of state stuff, which was secretly, like, a blessing in disguise, but he sent in the one for this, and it's super long. So it's... God damn it, Ryan. I know. All right, here we go. The politics of Egypt is based on republicanism, with a semi-presidential system of government established by following the, the Egyptian revolution of 2011 and the resignation of President Hosni Mubarak. In the 1950s, we're g- history lesson... In the 1950s, President Gamal Abdul Nasser pioneered Arab nationalism, while his successor, Anwar Sadat, made peace with Israel and turned back to the West. Egypt was traditionally ruled by royals until 1952, but the first free elected president was in 2012. This move to democracy followed the Egyptian Revolution of 2011, known in the country as the January 25th Revolution. The date was set by various youth groups to coincide with the annual Egyptian Police Day as a statement against increasing police brutality during the last few years of Mubarak's harsh presidency. It consisted of demonstrations, marches, occupations of plazas, nonviolent civil resistance, acts of civil disobedience, and strikes. Millions of protesters from a range of socioeconomic and religious backgrounds demanded the overthrow of Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak. The revolution started by calls for protests from online youth groups. Initially, these included liberal, anti-capitalist, nationalist, and feminist elements, but they finally included Islamic or Islamist elements as well. Violent clashes between security forces and protesters resulted in at least 846 people killed and over 6,000 injured. The Parliament of Egypt is the oldest legislative chamber in Africa and the Middle East. The president is elected for two four-year terms, and the parliament is unicameral, featuring a House of Representatives and a consultative council retired field marshal abdel fahar al-sisi was elected president in may 2014 almost a year after he removed his elected predecessor the muslim brotherhood's Mohammed morsi from office in a coup he had served as the armed forces chief under mr morsi and was a key figure in the interim government which took over some Egyptians celebrated the possibility that Mr. Sisi would bring stability to a country in upheaval since the remover, removal of long-term leader Hosni Mubarak during the Arab Spring 2011. Others worry that he represents a return to the authoritarian security state that prevailed under Mr. Mubarak. Mr. Sisi won a second four-year term in March of this year with, wow, 97% of the vote. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Against Not a bad. sole minor opposition candidate. Human rights lawyer Khalid Ali and former Prime Minister Ahmad Shafiq withdrew from the race, and the former Armed Forces Chief of Staff Sami Anand was suspiciously arrested. Could Egypt's move to democracy be faltering with their dangerous return to authoritarian rule on the horizon? And let's learn a little bit more about Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. He assumed office in June 2014. Why you might like him, Joe? His first public appearance after being sworn into office was a 20-kilometer bike marathon to encourage citizens to lower fuel consumption. That's not bad. More fuel to export. I mean, 20 kilometers, pretty short on a bike, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Encourage Egyptians to help support the Egyptian economy, said he would donate half of his salary, and hoped businessmen and other officials would do the same. Well, if you want to help the economy, what what do you donate to? You just donate straight straight to the GDP. I mean... (laughs) Straight to the national, <laughs> the national budget. Just, just write a check to like the Treasury Department. Just Egypt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just go to the bank and just be like, "Here, I have this check for Egypt." 
And the bank will be yeah. like, all right, great. Thanks. Exactly. I wonder what the signature on the back of it. I guess it's his signature. Yeah. Yeah. He can he can definitely uh, validate it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like that uh, that Simpsons thing. If you want to get LCC's signature, boom. Just write a check to Egypt. He probably doesn't even have to write a check. He can just like transfer it from his Venmo account right to Egypt. Yeah. Because it's his bank account. Yeah. 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 He's got to be able to do that. He has the power. But the average person doesn't, though. No, they still have no. to write. I mean, check. yeah, they would have to write a check. Yeah, yeah but he could just do. Or it. maybe they could just Venmo. Maybe it is just like Egypt. That's their username. At Egypt. Yeah. Boom. Why not? He won election with ninety six percent of the valid votes. Egypt's Center for Public Opinion Research gave a poll result after he was elected that only eight percent were unhappy with his performance, and seventy eight percent said they would vote for him if the election was the next day. After two years, he has an approval rating of 79%, and he was reelected again in 2018 with 97% of the votes. Joe, why you might not like him. As the Minister of Defense, he led a coup in 2013, insisting it was the popular will of the people, overthrew the president, cementing the relationship between the Egyptian armed forces and the citizens. Humans Right Watch alleges the Sisi regime used torture and made his political opponents disappear as well as extrajudicial killings committed by his military. And he won 97% of the vote because he was the only valid candidate left. All the others either dropped out or were arrested. Quite suspicious, despite his denial of having anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, when you're winning elections by 96, 90, I mean, 97% of people don't agree on anything. Yeah. And if they're anything like my family, I think Egyptians, they like to argue. Yeah. And like, you know, speak heatedly in Arabic. So I can't imagine that 97% are like, oh, but we all agree. 97% of us agree. This guy's doing a great job. CC is the best. That coup. There's no way. Everybody loves a good coup. Mm -hmm. And when when they say he made his enemies disappear, that's like murder, right? That's not a, like, he's not doing stage magic. Like, <laughs> like the right. big David Copperfield special where he rents a block of television. He's like all the opposition <laughs> candidates. Whoop! Come on, come on up. Oh, where do they go? They, oh, they oh no! The election's coming up. I hope we can find them in time. They've all turned into doves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, it. It's sort of interesting because I mean. Obviously, as like the whole Arab Spring thing was going on, you're watching and you're like, "What is this going to turn into?" And it does show how like how hard it is for any revolution or any um, coup to sort of like stick the landing in creating a more progressive um, or like open society, right? I mean, like you look at like even like the French Revolution to the American Revolution actually created this democracy, and the French Revolution ended in a dictatorship with Napoleon. Yeah. Basically. So it's like, it just, it's just so hard to not slip into authoritarianism. And it seems like that's a lot of what happened, which is not great. Um, but obviously, um, you know, as, as grading on a curve of both Africa and Middle Eastern countries, like it's sort of doing, I think better and is a more, like open and progressive society. So that's good. Um, so yeah. I mean, what do you think here, Dan? I don't know, Joe. I think the, the 97% is suspicious, but 
if his approval rating is actually 80%, at least that's something. But it is it is pretty weak. It's very authoritarian just to, like, not even have the election. Like, at least, you know, be like Donald Trump and just, like, lie about everything. And, you know, like, I'm not worried that Donald Trump isn't going to have the election in 2020. But I am worried that, like, he's just going to spend so much time lying about it and, like, saying things that nobody's just going to know the truth. But at least the, sh- the election will, like, happen. You know, I don't like, you know, the the arresting the political opponents. I mean, again, Donald Trump t- threatens to do that. But the thing is, he doesn't. Yeah, but does he not do that because he doesn't have the power to do it? Like, is it a moral thing that's stopping him from doing it? Or is it just like the institutions of the U.S. government that stop him from doing it? Uh, I, I don't think he would do it anyways. I don't think he would ever arrest his political opponents because he'd be too worried that somebody would... Like, if America actually did have the ability to have a coup, like, a coup would have happened, like, a year ago, you know? So, because Donald Trump's just so dumb. But, like, he he depends, he's just not a smart enough leader to actually lead in a situation where other people are actually like, gunning for him. And he, ha- you know, he has to be, like, you know, in one of the other countries we talked about, the guy who had, like, coup experience, like, you know this Al-Sisi guy was, like, He's on it. Like, he's good at consolidating the power. He's good at, like, getting the military going. You know, he's got to be a good, whether or not he's a good leader for the people, like, he's got to be good at the act of, like, getting power and maintaining power to, like, pull off what he's pulling off. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy that, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. It is so so far from, like, how how America works. Though, I mean... If there was like a military coup right now and Colin Powell were like leading it, I'd be like, eh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd support that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we'd be talking 97% territory there. Uh, look, uh, yeah, no, this is okay. Um, but, you know, obviously authoritarianism is bad no matter what. Uh, so let's say three and a half out of 10. Oof, three and a half out of 10. Not doing so well. Highest score, just a six and a half, Joe. But maybe they yeah, can come back. We got some good categories coming up, though, Dan. Category three. Oh, Joe. Food and couponing. Uh, we have a good story about this, Dan, but let's hear what Emily has Very to say. Very good story. Wow, what's that? What What is the Joe Picks Podism? We under-promise and then under-deliver, so. It's a mediocre story that, that people, people may or may not. Yes. Like. From... Uh, fan emeritus, Emily. and I think it's actually un- I think it's under promise and still under deliver. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, we're not over delivering. Yeah, you under delivered on listening to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but but look, that's a key tenet of Joe Pick's pod is just listen for the first part, tune out the second part in a micro nap, and just assume what the other person said. <laughs> Egypt, they don't have Groupon, being an epicenter for thousands of years. Many dishes found in Africa and the Middle East have roots going back to ancient Egypt. Egypt has a variety of national dishes. One dish is kushari, sometimes pronounced koshari, which is made of rice, macaroni, and lentils and topped with chickpeas, onion, and a special tomato vinegar sauce. Full madams, full madamas, is a dish that has many cultural variations but is traditionally from Egypt. It is a hearty stew of warmed fava beans stirred with olive oil, lemon juice, and garlic. A type of pita called Aish Baladi is eaten at most meals and serves as a type of utensil to scoop up food, sauces, and dips. Kofta 
spicy minced lamb and kebab, okay. yeah. grilled lamb pieces, and hawawashi, a baked meat sandwich, are popular meat dishes. As meats were expensive and difficult to maintain, many Egyptian traditional dishes were vegetarian-based. Mashi are small bits of spiced rice are wrapped tight are small bits bites of spiced rice wrapped tightly in grape leaves, then cooked in tomato-based sauce and served with lemon. And tamaya are fried chickpeas and also known as falafel. So, yeah, okay, falafel, great. Torshi are pickled vegetables and served alongside most meals. Many of these items may possibly sound familiar as they are similar to other traditional Middle Eastern and Mediterranean foods. So have a cup of tea and baklava and enjoy the food from the cradle of civilization. Yeah, I mean that so, – so first of all, I mean Egyptian food is definitely something that I'm familiar with because it, it's a lot of my family's food. And some of it, like kofta she mentioned, is like great. My parents make that. It's really good. Um uh, uh, you know, they make a lot of like berberry chicken, which is like more maybe Ethiopian, but certainly they have that in Egypt and that's, you know, where it came from. My dad, uh, the stuff that he remembers growing up with, uh, there's a soup called molahea, which is like terrible and it smells awful. And basically it's like, it's a, it's like a soup, but it's basically like a peasant soup. So it's basically like just <laughs> like made from various weeds that grow around Egypt. Shoes in it. (laughs) Pretty much. And it's, he would make it sometimes just for, for like nostalgia's sake. And like, it's, it would, it smells terrible. Uh, you know, so your dad will like eat anything. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, it's funny, like a lot of the things that he ate, like, you know, the, you know, they were things that like, for example, and, and I don't know if this is, an Egyptian thing or if it's just just like a growing up poor thing or both maybe. Um, But like, you know, when you make a chicken, like the thing that he, he always eats like the gizzards and all like the stuff that, that like most people just throw away. Cause that's, that's what you did. Right. And like the Molahea soup, it's just like made from like shitty weeds. Right. Or like, um, you know, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff like that where like, you know, like even like, like eating all like the the marrow out of the bones and stuff like that. It, it's all just a bit based on like, well, this is what they had at the time. Or like, I mean, like Emily said, like a lot of the vegetarian based dishes because meat was fucking expensive. It was a luxury. Yeah. And then on the couponing, I mean, Dan, this was, this was a really, we tried to record this, this, this story for the podcast. But when you were here for Passover, do you remember when we asked my aunt about couponing? Of course. Yeah. So my aunt was in town and she, so my dad was very young when he left Egypt. My aunt is, you know, in her like late seventies or whatever. So she was, I think 19 or 20. She was in her late teens, I think she said. Yeah. And in fact, the reason why they, they went to Ethiopia when they left Egypt was because she was engaged to like an Ethiopian prince. Like it was weird. I mean, so she has, she's had this like super interesting life. Um, she lives in New York now and like, you know, whatever. And she was visiting for Passover. And so, of course, we're talking about the podcast and because um, that's what Dan and I talk about because you were visiting as well. And we asked her about Egypt and we asked her about coupons in Egypt. And he told us this, this whole story. She goes, well, you know, of course, um, there are coupons in Egypt. Um 
and and there were coupons when I was a kid, and she starts talking about how, um, you know, during the Suez crisis and the wars, that there was all this um, this rationing of food, and the way that she was interpreting coupon was really more like a voucher, and that you would get a certain number of coupons, and so you'd have like, and you still have to pay, so you would pay money along with the coupon, um, for so it wasn't that you were getting free food; it was that the food was rationed. So you could only get so much meat. But of course, my grandmother had a lot of kids and they wanted more of everything. So like she would say how like, you know, you would like become really friendly with the butcher or like the, you know, the the baker or, or like whatever. And so you would sort of like, you, you'd like grease the wheels a little bit. You'd pay a little bit of extra money and they would overlook the fact that you, that you didn't have enough vouchers for this or that thing. Yeah. Well, she was also, she was saying that when she would go to the butcher to pick up the stuff and she was... She, I, I think in some cases she didn't exactly know how the wheels were being greased, but maybe in other cases she did. But she was like, she'd go to the butcher and the butcher would just like give her a bunch of like extra stuff that was obviously like not supposed to, but like that had been that some deal had been arranged, you know, some wheels had yeah. been greased. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just a kid, like, re- yeah, like running an errand for her mom. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought it was a super interesting story and, and definitely like, was a different take on the couponing experience. I mean, it's not, it, it, it's not, it's not Groupon necessarily, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, Groupon, you know, I don't think they like the concept of, of rationing to be like connected to their marketing. They more prefer it to be like having a discount, but no Groupon's all about rationing when they're like limit one per customer. That's You're right. That's rational. Right. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Aunt Maggie declined to come on this podcast. Oh. She's smart. Yeah. It was a good decision. Yeah. I wish I declined to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so I think, look, the food is obviously something that is connected with my family. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. The couponing. I mean, I have to give extra points for that great story about coupons from my Aunt Maggie. Uh, so let's say... Let's just say seven out of ten. Seven. Wow, highest score. The one thing I will say is when she's going on these stories about Egypt, you could just listen to them all night. Oh, it was so. I mean, it was so interesting. Yeah, so captivating. All right, all right, Dan. Category four. The best part about her stories is you never have any idea what direction they're going to go, because it's just like insane. The world that you know, just uh, the experiences she had. Yeah, she also cursed a lot and called you a lot of names. What was her nickname for you? What, did, what was she calling you? I don't remember. <laughs> I was too busy being in a, uh, an argument with Yeboah about the, the big race. That's right. The big race that never happened. Yeah. Well, as far as they know, it did happen, and I won. Okay. <laughs> All right. C- category four. Yes, of course, Joe. The top player to watch. And Joe, everybody knows. I mean, do I even have to say who the top player to watch is? It's none other than Ramadan Sobhi, who plays for Stoke City. 21 years old. He's a winger, Joe. Good at dribbling. Decent vision. Scored a solid one goal in 19 matches for Egypt. And hey, three goals and 45 appearances for Stoke. Could be nice support for superstar Mohamed Salah. But he has to show that he can perform on the big stage. 
In your beloved FIFA 18, his skill is 75, his potential 84, which is not bad. That's a pretty, that's a wide gap. So I think FIFA is is projecting good things for him potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And David gives him a rating, pretty solid rating of five. And look, Joe, he p- plays in your beloved Premier League. None of this Bundesliga shit. So well, unfortunately, if he, if he still plays for Stoke, he doesn't play in the Premier League. Anymore. Oh no, <laughs> poor Ramadan. <laughs> poor, poor Ramadan. Um, but I mean, isn't Ramadan a holiday? Is that like being named like like Hanukkah? Like Passover? Is it a name too? Yeah, I guess. I mean, he is named that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder if Ramadan is, is a holiday named after someone like Martin Luther King Day. It wouldn't be weird if you were named Martin. Yeah, definitely not. I wonder if, I mean, if you could have a choice of being named Muhammad, which it's, is like the most common name in the Arab world and maybe the most common name in the world or like something else, I think I'd choose something else just to have like my own name even if it was like a holiday if even if i had to share with a holiday yeah i mean all the muhammads must get pretty like um you know frustrating in like elementary school like oh muhammad p muhammad x you know like it'd be you know it's tough i mean in most cases i mean i assume in some of these arabic classes like you like one initial isn't even enough in the last name like you need two initials or three but Ramadan, I mean, there's probably only one Ramadan. Yeah, I think it's a good name. I think it's a unique name. I like it. Yeah, uh, yeah look, look, I like this guy. Uh, I'm watching this video clip of him right now. He is. He's he's definitely a little speedster. He's got some moves, too. Um, oh, he scored this goal. It was actually like an own goal, a really bad one. I don't know who he's playing against. But anyway, uh, I will say... Let's say six and a half out of ten. Wow. Six and a half. You're tr- pumping up the scores here, trying to save them. <sighs> we'll see. Is it going to pay off, Joe? Who knows? Okay, wait. This is the last category, right, Dan? Well, it's the Joker, Joe. You have a choice. You can either do eight or, well, you don't really have a choice. I mean, category, category eight. If you want to, you could really go crazy and just not do the category we could just end the podcast right now we can't i mean if i get to pick right now it's up to you joe based on this joker yeah um, just pick the team yeah i'm just gonna root for columbia <laughs> let's call this let's call this podcast today right. gonna go watch westworld joe <laughs> all right see ya man good job good good season yeah <laughs> It was all to get those magnets, Joe. We got the magnets. <laughs> oh, talk about a Westworld-like twist. This is this whole season has been a ploy to get free magnets. Now, Joe, I'm going to go buy it. a $200 plane ticket to pick up my half of the magnets. And then the scam <laughs> will be complete. Uh, and I'm keeping the a, cup of Joe. What a grift. Yeah. Nobody saw it coming. Zabrowka for all. All right, Dan. Category Super eight. Superfan Karsten this came in at the last minute at Joe Picks Pod Miracle. He says, lightning Egypt celebrities. But these are less lightning than his last entry. So, Joe, you, you're not working him hard enough because he, he's written complete sentences for these. Oh, Karsten has too much free time. Yeah. Okay. Ramp up the work. We'll change that. Bronze. He's dead. But Omar Sharif was a 50s silver screen star in the U.S. and Egypt. His most noted works were 
Dr. Zivago, Funny Girl, and who could forget Lawrence of Arabia? All right, good for him. Do you know who that is? I mean, I've heard the name before. And yeah, oh yeah, look, there he is. He's a guy. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him before. Yeah, I think this is going to be tough for you, actually. I'm not sure you're going to know any of these people. Okay, the silver medalist, Sammy Sheik. He left Egypt after high school to pursue an acting career. He has appeared in the movies American Sniper and Lone Survivor. He has also been in the TV series Homeland. Okay, okay. Now, Sammy Sammy Sheik's kind of a cool name, though. I have to ask. He's appearing in American Sniper, Homeland. I don't know anything about Lone Survivor, but I'm assuming... He's the bad guy. He probably played a terrorist. Yeah. He probably played a terrorist in all yeah. those, in all those shows. Like, oh yeah, because yeah. it's like Omar Sharif is not playing like a terrorist in his roles. Like Lawrence of Arabia, he's just like you know some character. I'm assuming, but here, here I will. Uh, let me, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me, let me uh, send you a picture of this guy. You can tell me if you think he's been typecast. Well, see, I wonder if based on this new like war on terror, if it's like there are so many bad parts about it. If you are Arabic or Muslim and, you know, Joe, like you run into this a little bit like at airports yourself. But the benefit must be if you're like an actor and you don't mind like being the bad guy. You've got to, there's got to, like, it used to be, what, the Nazis, like, in all the Indiana Jones movies, and then in the Rocky movies, like, it's the Russians, and I guess it's the Russians a little bit, in Indiana Jones, too, certainly the newer one, but, like, now. Yeah, you have job security, right? It's all Arabic, all the time, like, can you imagine a bad guy in any movie that's not Arabic right now? Yeah, I mean, look, they're working, they're working, that's good. Uh, Here, I'll send you this, uh... This picture, you tell me if... Yeah, I've been trying to vamp here for like 30... Oh, oh yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, he's been typecast. Yeah. That's definitely that's definitely his headshot when he sends in his... Uh, well, you know, if he weren't, if he weren't holding gig. the grenade launcher, maybe <laughs> I could uh, I could just say he's, you know, he's he's got a bunch of gear on, but yeah. Yeah, if he was holding like a bouquet of flowers there, it could be a totally different yeah, scene. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the rocket launcher is a dead giveaway. Yeah. Well, you know what? He's getting business. He's getting work. That's good. And the gold medalist, Joe, he was born in the U.S., doesn't seem to have Egyptian citizenship, but IMDb says he is Egyptian, so it must be true. Actor Rami Malek. Malek stars in the show oh, yeah. Mr. Robot, a show yeah, I like that, guy. that Fan Emeritus Karsten likes even more than Big Little Lies. Impossible. Malek is also playing Freddie Mercury in the upcoming film Bohemian Rhapsody. Have you watched Mr. Robot? I have not. I have not seen a single episode. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I should watch it. I think it might be up my alley. But the thing I hate about it is as a – and it's like trendy in Silicon Valley to watch. But I don't like any shows that involve any sort of like computer anything because it just – all the inaccuracies just take me out of it. So like I have no problem watching like a doctor show because I'm not a doctor. And and a lawyer show because I'm not a lawyer, but anything with computers, it's just I can't I can't deal with it.
What if what if there were a TV show about a podcaster? Would that would the inaccuracies bother you too much? There is a TV show about a podcaster. What 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 show? It's called uh, so they there was a, a podcast called the Startup Podcast, and then it was made by this company called Gimlet Media, and the podcast was about the podcast company starting, and then it was optioned to a TV show called Alex Inc. Starring your favorite actor, Zach Braff. And oh, no. the, the show is literally about a guy starting a podcast. And it's like a family comedy thing with Zach Braff. And I watched probably about 10 minutes of the first... I don't even, I don't even think I made it through 10 minutes of the first episode. And it was just as bad as I imagined. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't... I had no plans of watching it, but I just wanted to see... Because, you know, in the... You were watching for how bad the train wreck would yeah, be? Yeah, because in the... Um, I do listen to some of their podcasts. Like, they're, Gimlet Media has some great podcasts. Like, Heavyweights is one of my favorite podcasts. But, but it's not like ours. Like, we don't want to be podcasting right now. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. I perc- You wanted to podcast yesterday. I procrastinated to today. But there's just no procrastinating anymore. This is like, we've got deadlines. We've got stuff to do. But, like, for... Th- they do the type of thing where it's just they'll do like 10 podcasts a year. And I mean, imagine how good our podcast would be if we only did 10 a year. Oh my God. We could put so much time into It'd it. It'd be amazing. I mean, we would still we would still procrastinate it and do it at the last <laughs> minute. But but we could put it that much. We, we, we wouldn't. But we We'd could. just be like, at the beginning of the year, we'll be like, all right, well, there are 52 weeks and we only need to do 10. So let's just do one every five weeks. And then- yeah. And then we would be doing 10 in the last two weeks of December. Inevitably, there'd be six weeks left and we hadn't done any of them. It's true. It's true. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I like Rami Malek. He's a good actor. Uh, yeah, this is this is all right. Okay, uh, six out of 10. Oh, wow, that's super generous, Joe. Look, look, I like, I like the rocket launcher guy. Yeah. Hey, I think... As for, for the role he's doing, like he's clearly getting that same role in all oh sorts God. of different shows. I mean, these pictures—it's just like one after the other. Is there is there any shot? Is like one of his headshots him getting like waterboarded? Oh my God! Let me just—these <laughs> pictures are so bad. Oh my goodness. Is he holding a Molotov? Co- oh no, it's like a. He's holding. He's like a burning yeah. sword. <laughs> it's just and, and uh, he's he's clearly just like burned something to the ground in the background. Yeah. Oh yep. Here here's him getting waterboarded. That there's that. No way. Well, it's some kind of torture in some kind of Guantanamo Bay. All right, well, while I'm going through these uh, these images, Joe, there's only one category left. The drink, Joe. How did you enjoy your, uh, what's it called, Suffering Bastard? Have you ever had one of these, Dan? Oh, it is a Suffering Bastard. Well, I got it right. Uh, I, I've had drinks similar to this. Oh. Oh, he's getting, like, shocked by, like, the car battery. Yeah, exactly. That's not wow, good. he's kind of bulked up. Good for him. Yeah, he, he's looking pretty buff. Uh, I've not, but I, I like drinks. I, 
back in the day, whiskey ginger was my drink of choice. So this is pretty similar to that. It's just got some rum and lime juice, which I can imagine, or, or gin and lime juice, which I can imagine only make it taste better. So yeah, I'm, I, I would, if I were drinking, <laughs> this is him with a rifle pointed directly at the camera. <laughs> Hollywood is really, really typecast this guy. Yeah. I would enjoy it, Joe. I'm sure I would. What did you think of it? I thought it was really good. It was like, just like a gingery old fashioned. I really enjoyed it. And you know, old fashioned is one of my favorite drinks and I like ginger. So, uh, I thought it was really good and, uh, I would definitely have it again. And when you're healthy, we should have them. All right. What score do you give it? I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. Wow. All right, Joe. Total score. Okay, stop sending me pictures of this guy. Oh, wait, this is completely different. I know. I, I found one of him not being typecast. This is like him he's, in a shampoo commercial. He's bathing. Uh, he's, he's shampooing a woman's yeah. hair. Wow. All right, anyways. <laughs> Great. I have to assume in that movie he's playing some kind of reformed terrorist who – who who is who is a sleeper agent pretending to be normal? You don't think terrorists are normal, Joe? You monster! Uh, no, I don't. All right, Dan. Total score. Where does that leave us? Fifty points, which puts our average at five point five six. Joe, you have found yourself in a place we have not been in a long, long time. In a place, dare say, ever. I think you're in the gray zone, Joe. I think uh, I'm trying to look at everything lower than this. You've said no to. Oh, so Nigeria, fellow African nation, 5.72. You said no. Serbia, 5.05. You said no. Poland, 5.23. You said no. And then yes. I'm going to write that in. Zombie. Morocco. Another African nation, 5.18. You said no. Sweden, 5.96. You said yes. Peru, 5.94. You said yes. So Egypt's closest comparison would be Nigeria. A little higher than it, but you said no to Nigeria. However, there have been you the teams in the high fives you have given the past. So this is this is going to challenge your picking ability, Joe. You're you're ripped in twain between so many different things this is the country of your homeland it's right in the gray area but your parents were thrown out of the country as refugees but at the same time joe it the country still means a lot to them so this would be the highest team that i don't send forward if i don't send it forward no nigeria was higher but if you pass them through, this would be the lowest team you've passed through. This is tough, but man. it would be close. This is this is maybe the hardest decision we've ever had on this podcast. I'm I'm thankful, and frankly, it's a minor Joe Pickspot miracle that I don't have to decide. I couldn't. This is too much for me, Joe. I don't think most people could. I I'm this like is, the guy. This is, this is too hard. I'm like the guy being hooked up to those wires. Like this would be torture for me. For most people, luckily. Luckily, I'm 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 well practiced at this. Let me say, you know, Egypt 
I thought going into this episode, I thought for sure they would be they'd be a shoe in to make it through. Too much too much family connection. The problem is they're they haven't there was no category that Egypt really blew out of the water. No. But there was nothing they really they were bad in atrocities, which Understandably which was, so. you know, part of the, the tribalistic nature of Joe Pick's pod. They they came after your family, Joe. I mean, literally. <laughs> wow. But everything else, aside from that, well, you also didn't like the authoritarian government. But other than that, everything else was pretty good. You know, the problem, though, Dan, is that, and if I could give some some free picking advice to people, when, I mean, we've gone through every category now, so the choice is just not, not going to be clear because their score just isn't high enough or low enough. I think when you're in that tough position, you sort of reach for the extreme. So you say like, okay, so, you know, had they had some celebrity that I just love, you'd say, okay, well, look, their score was a little too low to move them through. But man, man, do I really love, uh, you know, if Taylor Swift were from Egypt, you'd be like, oh, you know, she's great. Let's move them forward for Taylor. Okay. The problem is there's no... There's no extreme positive for me to reach for. The only thing there for me to reach for is sort of the extreme on the negative side. And I think that's how I'm going to have to come down is just to say, look, Egypt at one point, many governments ago, but that they at one point said no to the Mizrahis. Wow. And right now I have to say wow. no to Egypt. Wow. Joe, how does this, this power exchange feel? They once held all the cards. They said, get out of my land. And now you're saying, get out of my bracket. I mean, you know, like all revenge, it never feels good. You always think it's going to feel more satisfying than it is. Wow. I mean, I was going to say that you could ceremonially take the Egypt magnet and burn it, like in that picture of that terrorist burning the thing. But I guess if you if you want to be, I guess graceful about it and you you feel some bit of remorse you could just put put their magnet on the on the bracket and just you know give them a fair shot you know and and the thing that i'll say is that is that the one thing that egypt has going for it that's so great is that mo salah really is an exciting player and as much as he plays for a rival of tottenham yeah i mean you have to love the guy that champions league final the like Every minute he was playing, I was only watching. Well, I guess I was also watching because my birthday brother was in the game. But all I wanted to see was like what crazy heroics they would do. And when he came out of the game, it was really sad because it was like the whole other team, Liverpool, I was just like, well, they're not going to do any like crazy awesome shit because their best player is gone. And the only guy who did crazy awesome shit was Gareth Bale, who I know you love him. I don't give a shit about Gareth Bale. So I... That the only thing that was cemented is that guy who ripped his arm out. I don't like. Well, I mean, pa- past and future Tottenham star Gareth Bale. Of course, you have to love him. I why can't Mo Salah go on? I guess he's a red guy and he just wouldn't fit with the blue. But I mean, the thing about Mo Salah is that is that is that. I mean, you could say at some point, obviously, teams like madrid or uh, barcelona or psg are gonna really make a play for him and like how long can he stay at liverpool but 
you know, like a little bit like Harry Kane. I mean, Liverpool should be spending every dollar they have to keep him. Yeah. And maybe they will. I mean, look, it's hard when it's not a homegrown player, but like, but, but maybe they will. Who knows? Uh, I, like I said, as much as they're a rival, I hope that Mo Salah plays there for a long time because you, you know, you want your rivals to have good, exciting players. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you beat them pretty handily, didn't you? Uh, we beat them and then we drew them, but he scored against us. I think every time. We I, I mean, in the, in the, in the table. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not handily. No, we beat them on the last game of the season. Oh. They were in, we were in third, they were yeah, in Yeah, but that was irrelevant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd rather be in third because you don't have the um, the the play-in game for the Champions League, but it's not it's not a huge concern. Yeah, boy, look at you. Prime Champions League position for next year. That's great, Joe. Uh, so, so Zidane quits as the manager of Real Madrid and everyone in the world is talking about Pochettino being hired by Madrid. And of course it's the dream job for anyone because he played in Spain for most of his career. He obviously speaks Spanish. Um, He hates Barcelona with a passion because he played for Espanol, which is the other Barcelona-based team. Yeah, well, he got his his big break from this guy, the the Egyptian manager. So you would think, oh my God, Pochettino is totally going to leave for Madrid. But he just signed this new contract with us, and he's just like a super loyal guy. And the whole media, there's this whole media frenzy around him, and he keeps getting asked. And, you know, there's all these quotes of these reporters saying like, well, of course, but you can't you can't say no to Real Madrid. And he's like, maybe you can't, but I can. And he just and they've they've officially dropped their interest now. Wow, Pochettino, loyal. Wow. The you know, here's Beautiful. what I think he should do: he should return the favor and refer this Egyptian guy after the World Cup's over and this guy is out of a job. Just be like, hey, he should you know Real Madrid. I'm busy, but this guy he taught me everything I know. He said, he'll say, look, I will put in a good word with Cooper for you guys. I'll vouch for for him going to work at Madrid. And you give us Gareth Bale. Yeah, boom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, they, if they're managing Tottenham and Real Madrid, these two old friends, I mean, the, the mentor and the mentee, the protege, you know there's just going to be a constant flow. I mean, it's just going to be like a pipeline of players back and forth, back and forth on loan. Ronaldo might come on loan, Joe, to Tottenham. I mean, is there a worse job? I mean, I don't know if there's a worse managerial job than being at one of these top clubs in that Zidane, I mean, you know, he quit. He didn't get fired. But it was partially because of like the pressure that he was under because they didn't win the Spanish League this year. He won the Champions League three years. He's only been a manager for three years, and he won it the last three years. Yeah. And yet he can't hold on to that position. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, look, it'd be terrible. It's this blood pressure medicine that this other guy is taking. Like, why, why does anybody want one of these jobs? I don't even know what Zidane is thinking. I mean, I guess it's the notoriety and the millions of dollars, but yeah. I think, uh, you know, the thing about Pochettino is it does always seem so cool. Like, yeah, I don't think he's on blood pressure medication. No, he's 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 very zen about the job. Then again, Tottenham's yeah. never actually succeeded really in any 
massive way. Moral victories, yeah, Dan. It's true. It's true. They are, if there's any football club that uh, is Joe Picks Podism, it's definitely them. Oh, absolutely. So, all the more reason for Pochettino's sainthood. Yes. Look, he's joining uh, Josh. We've got St. Josh, St. Mauricio. That's it. Boom. That's it. Those are the only two. Lock right it now. up. And uh, what's our poll question? Uh, you had something earlier, but I forgot what it was. What are we asking people? This was big. People people have to get their predictions oh, that's in. that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm not going to put the poll question on Reddit because nobody fucking does it anymore. You know, now the only people listening are the, like, official fan emeriti, but I don't, screw them, Joe. They're... I, I think the Fjord jumpers might even be better. The Fjord jumpers vote more than the Fan Emeriti do. We should kick the Fan Emeriti out of the Reddit page and only have it for the Fjord jumpers. Agreed. Now, Joe, since this is our second to last podcast, I I had an idea, and I specifically wanted to bring this up way at the end, because only the people who listen to this are the true fans, especially after we talked about all of that um, all that stuff relating to Pochettino, everybody's gone by this point. Totally. I was thinking for our last episode, instead of having a mailbag, we should have a voice mailbag, Joe. Ooh, I like it. I like it. So, I think any super fan out there who wants to ask a question, don't email it. Record yourself doing the question i don't care how you do it figure it out google how to do it then send that to us and we will play it on the podcast i would hear from the super fans joe one episode left that's amazing dan i love it i love it well and you know we'll do a a two episode you know picking podcast but yeah so we have really three episodes left total yeah but i want the voicemails on the last one i mean the last one's going to be a big party joe because i'll tell you assuming i'm healthy which is you know uh high emeritusness willing i've got i got a nice lineup for my uh I'm, i'm gonna be really going on a journey around these various countries with all the drinks i have ready so it's gonna be a party i want it to be a fun festive experience i want these voicemails Send in your voicemails, people. Maybe I'll figure out some online service that records it, but how hard is it to record, Joe? If I told you you had to record it and email it in, could you do that? Oh, probably not. Well, um, all right, so we need to record the the next doubleheader this weekend. Yeah, sure. it's, Megan's going to be gone, so that's perfect. This weekend. And then, you know, I mean, really... Next week, during the week, the World Cup kicks off on the 14th, so we got to record it by then. Yeah. Two episodes. Okay. It's going to be a fucking marathon, Dan. It's a disaster. Realistically, we have to record one of these episodes during the week. I don't don't even want to think about it. All right. We'll talk offline about it. Sounds good, man. Part of Joe Picks Podism is everything's on the podcast, Joe. All right, well, let's record Germany then. Thursday? Ugh. Oh, no, no, that's bowling night. All right, this is now. All right. <laughs> I take it back. All right, Joe, 
Great podcast. All right, Dan. Egypt. Wow, we hardly knew you. How did we go over two hours in Egypt? I'll never understand. Totally worth it. All right. See Later, you, man. Joe.